Welcome to The Next Track, a podcast about how people listen to music today. I'm Doug Adams. And I'm Kirk McElhern. Hello, and thanks for listening to this episode of The Next Track. This is episode number 10, our 10th episode. 10 is a nice, significant number. Can you believe it, Doug? We've actually made it to episode number 10? You know, you decide, like we did, like, hey, let's do a podcast. We... And you hope for the best, and uh, surprisingly, it's uh, it's working out great. We're delighted that we've had such positive reaction from listeners. Uh, lots of people have been writing in, commenting on the show, giving us ideas for topics. And giving us some nice ratings and reviews on iTunes, should say. As of the day we're recording this podcast, we have 16 five-star ratings, at least in the U.S. store. There are some in other country stores. And if you like the podcast, please rate us because it helps us get higher up on the podcast lists. And if you're more popular, more people notice it. And you know how it is. Ratings help. Yeah, we have a low to no marketing budget. So if you like the show, pass the word along. We really appreciate it. Thanks. Okay, today's episode, number 10. I have this older Mac Mini that I no longer use, but it's totally serviceable. And I want to be like all the cool kids who have a music server so I can send music or video to various computers and devices around my house. Can I use a Mac Mini for this, Kirk? And if so, how? That's a great question, Doug, because I happen to use a Mac Mini as a media server. And notice I said media server and not music server. Well, that sounds even more impressive. I'll get into the difference in a little bit. Okay. The Mac Mini is an ideal device to use for this sort of thing. It's small, it's compact, it's very quiet. You can stick it any place in your house if you have a Wi-Fi network. You can connect it directly to your home entertainment system. It doesn't get in the way. It's really an easy device to manage and to set up. Now, before we even get into how to set something like this up, what are some of the advantages of actually having uh, a music or media server in your home? I can already do home sharing uh, with iTunes between different machines in my house. But why would I want to have uh, a media server rather than that? Well, the, the main advantage is this is a device that would be on all the time. So you don't have to leave one of your computers on to serve up your media. I'm going to make a distinction between iTunes and between media in general, because later on I'm going to talk about an app called Plex that you can use to manage some of your media. But if we start with iTunes, if you do listen to music on different computers in your home, you want a master iTunes library that you can then share to these different computers. As I said just before, the advantage of having a Mac Mini is it's a small, inexpensive, and low energy use computer that can be on all the time. You've got a home office like I do. You've got one or two Macs in there, and you can leave one of them on, but you may not want to. Uh, I have a Mac Mini in the other room where my TV and home entertainment system is, where my internet comes in. So my router's in there, and my Mac Mini's in there as well. What this means is if I want to watch something on TV among my iTunes purchased movies or TV series... I just immediately connect to the iTunes library on the Mac Mini, which has all of my content. Now, you can do this with an Apple TV if you've got the bandwidth to download things right away. But if you don't, it's better to have them local. The same goes for music. If you're using Apple Music, you can do this off an Apple TV, and then you might not need to worry about a media server. I think a lot of people who are listening to this show are people who have media of all kinds, don't necessarily use Apple Music. They may use Spotify. Um, they may use another service. And the Mac Mini lets you put everything into one box. Okay, what, what specific uh, Mac Mini hardware do I need? What specific software do I need? Well, let's start by talking about the hardware itself and which Mac Mini you want to have. 
I'm using a six-year-old Mac Mini that I tricked out when it was released. Um, it has a core i7 processor. It's actually faster than the current Mac Minis. Um, I bought it at the time when you could get two disks in it. So I have a 256 gigabyte SSD for the system and I have a 750 gigabyte second drive in the device. Um, I also have some external drives connected to it and I'll get to that a little bit later. So if you've got a used Mac Mini, if you've got your Mac Mini is what, a few years old, right? Yeah, it's, it's older than yours. It doesn't need to be really fast if it's serving up media. It's a server. It's just basically providing the data over the network. If we look at the current Mac Mini models, there are three of them that go from 500 to 700 to $1,000. You don't need to spend $1,000, so don't look at that one. You probably don't want to get the cheap one that's $500. So in between, the, the reason why you'd want the in-between is it comes with more RAM. It comes with a one terabyte hard drive. Now, you could get the cheaper one and you could add these things to it, but the cheap ones... What's the, I'm sorry, what's the, the hard drive space of the, uh, the least expensive... The $500 has a, a 500 gigabyte hard drive. Okay. It's also got a 1.4 gigahertz processor compared to a 2.6 gigahertz processor on the $700 model. Whoa. That's quite a difference. Yeah. Again, you might not need it, and you could get off on the cheap if you want to save $200. You may not worry about the internal storage because you can just connect external hard drives. Uh, I've been having a lot of luck lately with these little portable USB 3 self-powered drives. You can get them up to four terabytes. They just plug into the back. You don't need power bricks, not too many wires. You can use one drive to host your media and another drive to back it up. I like that. That's a great idea. Yeah, it, it's practical. They're small. They're quiet. They don't have fans or anything. So at most, you might hear a tiny, tiny hiss if your ear's next to the drive, and that's the sound of the drive spinning. So I was talking about new Mac minis. You might want to use an older Mac mini, and it's fine. Mine's five years old. It does have Thunderbolt. It's got an HDMI plug, but it doesn't have USB 3, which, believe it or not, even with HD video, isn't a problem. So I can stream HD video um, from an external disk over USB 2 that goes into the Mac Mini and then goes out over Wi-Fi, and that works fine. So if you've got an old Mac Mini in your house, by all means, you know, try it and set it up. It's not complicated. What do you think about uh, going used or getting a refurb? Yeah, you can probably... Um, Mac minis are pretty common, and you could probably get one just for a couple hundred dollars. I would, If I was trusting all my media to it and having to worry about the integrity of all these files, I'll have three backups anyway, but I would not perhaps want to buy something that's really old and, and used and all that. And frankly, given the cost, if you pay five or even $700, this is a computer that's going to last you for years. Just as an aside, there are lots of other things you can do with it. You can use it for time machine backups if you're a Mac user. You can use it as a file server. So it's more than just uh, a media server. Okay, now software. Uh, any special operating system? Any tweaks to the operating system I need to make? You ideally want to be able to run the latest version of OS X. Um, this is going to let you run the latest versions of, of iTunes as they come out. Now, iTunes, it's generally compatible a couple of versions back, but not that many. Um, my Mac Mini is six years old. It's a late 2011, and it still runs um, the latest version of OS X. So that's fine. I actually run OS X Server. Uh, I believe it costs $20. I get it free as part of the developer account. Right. Then should I use OS X Server? I mean, we're talking about making a media server. Shouldn't I be using Apple's server software? Is there an advantage? The only advantage to having the server is you can use it as a target for time machine backups. 
You can cache local backups with it, which means let's say you have five iOS devices in your house and you download an app, the server will keep a copy of that app and all the other devices will get it from the server instead of hitting your bandwidth. But for most people, the, the server is overkill. Um, if you're of the geeky bent, you might want to play around with the server. Right. But even though we're talking about a media server, the server software isn't necessary. No, I, it's not essential for what we're doing here to use as a media server. So you have two options. One is that you serve your media with iTunes, and the other is that you serve your media with something else, which we'll get to. Uh, if you're doing this with iTunes, what you need to do is you need to make sure all your iTunes media is on the server. Now, this does present one problem. You can't sync iOS devices directly if all your media is not on the computer you're syncing with, right? So if you're using the media server and you want all your music on it, but you also want all your music on the computer you sync your iOS device to, you need to make sure that you're duplicating all of your content. And that, that's a little bit of juggling. What I do is I just put my videos on the media server. Um, any music that I want to play at home, if I do want to play music, it's either on my iPhone and I'll stream it to something, or if I have to, I'll just turn my Mac on. So wait a minute, let me, I want to be clear about this. I, I've got my entire music collection on the server, but yet I still have to have a local Mac to sync my iPhone or my iPad to. Isn't there some kind of server magic I can do or I have to do the old fashioned way? Well, essentially, you can copy the files that are on your syncing machine over to the other one. So anytime you add new files or change files, you just copy them over. There's an easy way to do this. Inside your iTunes folder, there's a folder called Automatically Add to iTunes. Connect to the Mac Mini over the network and make an alias of that folder on your local Mac. So all you need to do is pull files off of your local Mac and drop them in that folder, and they get immediately added to iTunes. Now, this is really practical. If you want to rip some CDs on your computer, you rip them in iTunes and tag them, and once you drop them in that folder, they get copied to the media server with all the tags and, and everything that you've done to them. It's a really practical way to add files to iTunes, even locally, um, if you have files that you've downloaded or something. So external media, I mentioned external media. You can get up to a one terabyte internal drive. Um, I'm more comfortable putting all this media on an external drive. And I mentioned these four terabyte drives. I'll put a link in the show notes to the WD My Passport drives, which is what I have. They're like less than $100 each for four terabytes. And you put two of them and you get some backup software. I use Carbon Copy Cloner, but there are other backup apps. And that way you can ensure that you've always got you know, two copies of all your media files. Now, what do I do if, I, now I've got my, I've moved my music over to the server, so I don't have direct contact with it in my local iTunes on my, on my iMac, let's say, and I've got all my music on the server. How can I access that music to like do tagging and things like that when it's on another app on another machine? Yeah, really easy with OS 10. You just mount the server in the finder um, or you, from the finder menu, go network and you choose the server and then you click on screen sharing. Essentially, what you'll do is you'll have a window showing the exact window on the other machine, and you'll be able to interact with it as if you were in front of that machine. And I want to point out that even though you can access the server through screen sharing, because technically it's a headless or monitorless server, you're going to have to hook up a monitoring keyboard and mouse at least once to set it up, to set network and sharing preferences, but then you only need to use screen sharing to access it ever again. Sure, it's really easy. And in fact, I'll, I'll link in the show notes to another article on my website 
One of the problems when you're setting up a headless server on OS X is it defaults to a, I believe it's a 1024 by 768 screen. Ugh. But you can buy, I believe it costs about $20, a little HDMI dongle that you stick into the HDMI port on the back, which makes it think it's got a display connected to it so it displays at a better resolution. Oh yeah, link to that. We got to have the real estate. Yeah. It's it's really easy though to manage. It's really I mean the screen sharing window is just a window that it's what's on the other computer screen basically. And you're on a local network so there's not very much lag. Anything you do is going to be fast enough um, over a local network. You can actually use screen sharing with a remote Mac in a different location. So you could uh, eventually, let's say you're at work and you want to get into your home Mac, you can connect to it and control it as well. We're not going to go into any of these more complicated network questions here. No, not this trip. So I mentioned using iTunes, and iTunes is great if you want your music to be available. If you want your videos to be available, uh, you can just put them in there and... Let's say, for example, you want to watch a video on your iPad, and again, you don't have the bandwidth to get this video off of Apple's server, or it's a DVD that you've ripped, and in which case you can't get it. In the Videos app, you just mount your shared library, and it'll show up. And unfortunately, iTunes sharing is really slow in iOS. It's getting better in iOS 10, but you can mount your, your shared library, and you can view your videos like that. You can also access it directly from an Apple TV if you use one. You go to the computer's um, app and you choose it and then you just access everything on the Apple TV interface. And it's really, really easy that way. Yeah, but we use the Apple TV mostly for video, not so much for music. So Another option for music is, let's say you use um, a Sonos system. Mm -hmm. Now, Sonos merely reads files that are in a folder and subfolders and sub-subfolders, etc. So you can put your Sonos folder onto the Mac Mini, and then you can manage your Sonos music with their apps and stream it to their devices. But you don't currently use Sonos, right? Sonos is an interesting system. I tried it out a couple years ago, and it didn't work for me, and I'm going to tell you why. Well, we talked about this a few episodes ago. Isn't there some kind of limit? Sonos has an internal database. Each Sonos device replicates the database, um, which is how it can access um, your music more quickly. The problem is this device is limited to, I believe, 62,000 tracks. However, the limit is even lower if your tracks have a lot of metadata. And since a lot of my music is classical, when I tried it out, only a little bit more than 40,000 tracks got indexed. So basically, I had everything up to around Mozart because it indexed alphabetically. Um, but after that, I didn't have anything. Is there any way to uh, replicate what Sonos does with using free or available software without using Sonos? Well, you could use Plex because Plex can do the same thing. It can index in the same way. I just don't like the way it presents music, but I admit I didn't give it enough chance. It didn't like all my artwork, and it would display this sort of ugly last FM thing when artwork's missing because it gets the artwork from last FM, and it matches your metadata with last FM. So it kind of overrides some of your metadata, and it wasn't the best solution. I, I found for music. But with Sonos, uh, if you're using a Sonos system, then you can do this just fine. In fact, it's probably the best way to host media for Sonos because you, once you put the media into your Sonos folder, you're really not going to manipulate it. You're not going to be syncing to any devices or anything. Okay. Now, just a second ago, you mentioned Plex, and I know you're a big fan of Plex. Uh, tell us about that. I had first used Plex some years ago, and it was installing it was like setting up Linux or something. You know, it was really finicky. And they changed the app recently, um, and this was around the time that the latest Apple TV came out. And I used it, and I wrote about it for Macworld and links in the show notes, of course. 
And now my entire video library is in Plex, with the exception of anything that's purchased from the iTunes store. Does Plex also handle audio? Plex handles audio as well. I don't really like the way it handles audio. Um, it's worth looking at, but it doesn't fit with the way I conceive of my organization of audio. Yeah, and I don't want to discourage anyone from giving Plex a try, but I have heard from correspondents that sometimes when you use Plex with iTunes, there can be some conflicts, uh, missing data, missing artwork. Not that it goes missing, it's just that Plex doesn't recognize it. So maybe something to think about, at least as far as using it for music. Yeah, I just don't feel it's worth the hassle to go into Plex for music because I'm syncing to my iPhone and, and I'm using music, you know, in, on a variety of devices. But I just love Plex for videos. I have lots of DVDs and Blu-rays that I've ripped. And so with Plex, you can set up any number of folders. So I have a movies folder, a TV shows folder, a Shakespeare folder for all my Shakespeare DVDs and Blu-rays. And... Plex runs as a local server, so it's separate software. The software itself is free. You pay for a Plex pass for certain features. It runs as its own server, and any device on your network can access that server. Now, one thing about Plex is it's really as ubiquitous as Netflix now. I actually just bought a new TV last week, uh, Amazon Prime Day. I bought a 60-inch 4K TV. And one of the first things I did was install the Plex app on it because it then connects to the Plex server on my Mac mini and all my videos are there. Um, you can watch Plex on an iPhone or an iPad and you can even, if you have the Plex pass, so if you've paid for it, you can even watch videos when you're elsewhere. So you can be out on the road at work in a hotel traveling and you can it'll connect back to your home computer. And it does this with some sort of tunneling through their server into yours. And that's a really neat feature. While I don't use it often, um, some months ago, my partner was going back and forth to her mother's house a lot and she would watch movies in the evening on her iPad that she would get from Plex here. Oh, that's definitely worth checking out. It is. Plex is extremely flexible. The only problems I have is when you put a video into it, it's going to look for a match and sometimes it'll match the wrong video. So just as an example, I have a, a Blu-ray of The Merchant of Venice um, by the Royal Shakespeare Company that I saw last year. And I was looking for it the other day and I couldn't find it because it had changed the title and changed the artwork. So I had to find the file and change it back. So it basically checks with the metadata server and it'll pull it'll pull back information, um, release date, director, actors, etc. But sometimes it gets it wrong. But that's just a question of checking each new video you add to it. Well, you know, there's, there's always something. I mean, yeah, we've been doing this a long time with digital media. And is there any media app that doesn't screw up every once in a while? Well, iTunes, Apple Music and, and iTunes Match do a lot. Um, but and I'll put a link in the show notes. The day we're recording this, um, Apple's announcing that they've made changes to the way Apple Music matches music. And it's going to be a lot more efficient. You shouldn't have as many problems with Apple Music matching the wrong music. At least I hope so. And as a bonus, if you're a dual subscriber, uh, like I am, to Apple Music and iTunes Match, you can cancel iTunes Match and save yourself 25 bucks a year. Okay, we got a little off track. What do I need to set up this media server? I mean, what's the nuts and the bolts and the cables? So you connect the Mac Mini, you make sure that the software is up to date, as you always do. Connect it via Ethernet to your router, your hub, whatever you have. Or you can connect it with Wi-Fi if you'd rather. I prefer Ethernet. It's one less thing to worry about. 
if it drops the Wi-Fi, then you may have to actually go to it with another computer with an Ethernet cable to get into it and to redo it. So with Ethernet, you just don't have to worry about that. You can just start copying your media right away. You may want some external drives, as I suggested, to store the media. You may already own some external drives you can use. Installing Plex takes about two minutes. Setting up iTunes, you know how to set up iTunes. Um, essentially, you know, once you've got all your media, you put it there and, and it's all available. So one, one thing to notice is that you can either pull from it. So when Apple TV pulls, right, it goes to the server and it pulls the things. Or you connect with screen sharing and you push. So you can use AirPlay to send it to another device. Now, for video, obviously, this is only to an Apple TV, but for audio, you can send it to any number of devices. It could be an Apple TV, a standalone speaker, a receiver, an amplifier. Lots of devices now support AirPlay. Is there a way that I can manage the server from an iPhone or iPad and be able to control it from anywhere in my house? You can get a VNC app. VNC stands for Virtual Network Computing. And this is an app that essentially lets you do screen sharing uh, on an iOS device. And I'll put a link in the show notes to one app that I've used. You can then control it from any kind of device, any Mac, obviously, with screen sharing, any iOS device with a VNC app. You're more often probably going to want to pull video because you'll be already on a device with a screen. You're more likely to want to push audio because let's say you've got music on your Mac mini and you want to stream it to a receiver that you have that has AirPlay. And in that case, you'll need to access the Mac mini with the VNC app and then choose a playlist, an album, whatever, start playing and click the little AirPlay button in the iTunes toolbar and choose the device you want to stream it to. Right, and you're in business. Um, I not only have an old Mac mini, but I have an old, old Mac mini. I have a generation one. And uh, I think it can only run... 10.7. So actually, I'm going to run Snow Leopard on it because I would never run 10.7 on it. Um, I can probably pull some of this off with older hardware and software, right? You could, but you'll have an older version of iTunes. Right. Yeah. Um, you may actually want to have an older version of iTunes, <laughs> like iTunes 10 or something, because the actual playback features of iTunes aren't that important. You know, all of the features that Apple's added to iTunes in, in recent years are about the store, about Apple Music, about the cloud and all that. And you may not want any of those features anyway. I, I wouldn't recommend it because if you do have a problem with anything, you're dealing with an OS that's several years old and it makes it harder to find a solution, you could try it. But since you have a newer one, I'd go for the newer one. Yeah. So as I said, I use it for all my video. I don't use it for music. I'm not sure I'd recommend it for music unless you want... You, you've got to have a pretty rigid workflow to make sure everything worked with music, uh, to make sure that you've duplicated copies in case you want to sync on one device and play on another. With video, it's more simple. You just drop stuff into the folders and Plex indexes it, or you drop it into iTunes and iTunes indexes it. So let me get this straight. Um, if syncing was not an issue, if I didn't have to sync to one of my devices, I would be fine. Then that's fine. Then you just put all your music into that library and you can play it back um, pretty much any place. That's actually quite easy. I, I'm a big believer in the future of this as a way of managing media. And, and for years now, I've been writing about how Apple should make an iTunes server so people can put all their music in one of these devices and still sync their iOS devices. Well, this is something I've been wanting to do for a while. So uh, I think this is going to be one of my summer projects. Oh, it's not a summer project. It's a Saturday morning project. It really <laughs> is quite simple once you've gotten it set up. You just have to get used to the idea of using screen sharing 
And after that, it's just, it's almost as if it's, you're looking at the screen of that computer. It really is. Yeah. So I would try it. As I said, I love using this for my videos with Plex. If you are a Sonos user, I think it'll be perfect for all your Sonos music. Um, with iTunes, it's a little bit more work, but it's, it's really a good way to centralize all your media. Before we take off, we're going to give you an idea of what we'll be listening to next. These are our next tracks. I've got the latest album from Jeff Beck ready to go. It is called Loud Hailer. Uh, this is his first album in six years. Not that unusual for him to take so much time in between records because he does an awful lot of touring. Jeff Beck is 72 years old this year, which is incredible. I've been following Jeff Beck for a really long time, and like a lot of Jeff Beck fans, I'm, I'm waiting for the second coming of Blow by Blow and Wired. Uh, and each album that comes out, you go, oh. But after a few listenings, you go, oh. And that's kind of what I'm hoping uh, from this album. From what I've read about it, it's it's... The lyrics are somewhat politically oriented, and I'm not sure if that's such a great thing. Uh, I personally just want to hear the guitar playing. I, I really dig the personality that he always seems to give to uh, his melodies and his riffs. Uh, so I am looking forward to hearing it. Uh, I'm going in with my usual new Jeff Beck album anxiety, but I am looking forward to it. Jeff Beck's Loud Hailer is my next track. What have you got, Kirk? My next track couldn't be more different than yours. It's... Mozart's Haydn quartets. Mozart wrote six string quartets that he dedicated to Haydn. And I'm listening to them on a new box set of all of the Emerson string quartets recordings for Deutsch Grammophone. Uh, 52 CDs. It just came out a couple of weeks ago. And the past couple of days, I've listened to the first two of the three CDs of these Mozart uh, quartets, and I'll be listening to the third one later this afternoon. The Emerson String Quartet is probably the best-known American string quartet. They've been playing for decades, since the 80s, I believe. They have a wonderful sound. I've always liked the string quartet as an idea. I'm not a big fan of orchestral music. I always like the, the compactness of a string quartet. It's a difficult balance to get the, the volumes right and to play with just four people together. And the Emersons do this really well. So this is a box set with all of their recordings from Beethoven and Berg to Mozart and Haydn and Schubert. And I'm listening to the Mozart these days, but if you like string quartets, I strongly recommend getting this. So it's the Emerson String Quartet, Mozart's Haydn Quartets. This has been The Next Track, a podcast about how people listen to music today. You can find show notes and links to some of the things we talked about in this and other episodes at thenexttrack.com. There's also a contact form there you can use to send us comments. If you like the show, we hope you'll subscribe in iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And please think about giving us a review or rating. We'd appreciate that. I'm Doug Adams, and for Kirk McElhern, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time.